This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Olive Podcast. I'm Janine, Olive's Deputy Editor and Podcast Host, and each episode I'll be catching up with chefs, cookery writers and characters from the food scene in Britain and beyond. Join us each week to expand your food knowledge as our guests share 10 things we need to know about the specialist subject. And do listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where they also reveal their top cooking cheats, hacks and shortcuts. Delighted to welcome Oded Oren to the podcast today. Oded is chef owner of Oren Restaurant in Dalston, London, which he opened in 2019 and has just released his first cookbook, Oren, a personal collection of stories and recipes from Tel Aviv, which we'll be taking a deeper dive into today. Welcome to the podcast, Oded. I'm happy to be here, Janine. Firstly, um, can you just tell us a little bit about your journey in food and how you came to open your restaurant in London and what kind of led you there from Tel Aviv? Because I know that's where you grew up, wasn't uh, it? My career started basically after after cooking school, basically working in various restaurants uh, and then traveling to Paris, spending there about a year cooking in a very busy restaurant, coming back to Israel, working more. Uh, yeah, and then becoming becoming head chef in one of uh, Tel Aviv's most prestigious restaurants, I would say. Uh, it was a seafood restaurant. So, I, yeah, I was there for about eight years. I think it's quite quite a long time for a chef to stay in one place, but it was good. I, I really loved it and learned a lot. Yeah, and then decided to move on a bit. Um, I had an opportunity to come here to London. The course of, of, of my career in London changed a bit. Uh, I decided to to have my own catering business. It was like a, something really small and um, exclusive, I would say. Uh, so I've done that for about four or five years, I think. Yeah, and then I think the, the restaurant kind of itch started to... Uh, started to 
make his thing. Um, and I, yeah, I kind of really wanted to have my own place, but I didn't really want to do it with huge investors or, um, you know, a big, big group of, of restaurants, you know, I just wanted to do my own thing. So that took quite, quite some time to, to manage to understand how I'm going to do it on my own. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, chefs don't usually have that capital of like opening restaurants and, but Things happen in a in a good way, I think, uh, for me. And um, I also kind of changed my uh, my views about what kind of restaurants do I want to have. And it started to be a bit more feasible in terms of like, oh yeah, you can actually find something which is affordable, manageable in terms of size, in terms of expenditure uh, that you would need to you know uh, um, spend on on opening a restaurant. So I found something which um, which I really really liked. It's in East London, um, in a small neighbourhood called Shackerwell. It's in Dalston, but it's a, a small neighbourhood in Dalston okay. called Shackerwell. <laughs> it's really nice. Um, it's got thirty five seats, um, and we've been really busy since opening uh, yeah. three years ago, actually. And you feel like you're cooking the kind of yeah it, your cooking really reflects more of your kind of Tel Aviv experience I guess very much yeah. um, and I think it's not it's not just the food I think it's um, the atmosphere and the vibe that we kind of manage to create in yeah. the restaurant and I think people really appreciate that and find it really refreshing and yeah. interesting to to come over to our place because it's very homey it's very like personal people feel at home and I love the idea that you're kind of bringing not just the food of Tel Aviv, but the whole vibe of Tel Aviv, because we're going we're gonna to touch on that a lot more during the podcast, and hopefully people will get more of a sense of what, it, what it's like to eat there. Let's start at the beginning, because um, you said that Tel Aviv gathers all sorts of cultures and is extremely diverse. Like, what, what, sort of, what sort of cultures have we got happening there? Israel, in, in, in general, is, you know, it's a country of, like, many immigrants, uh, obviously... Jewish people that came from different countries to live there, uh, and I don't know. Like when I when I grew up as a kid, I used to have like some nannies because my mom used to work really hard. My parents were divorced, so I was kind of taken care of by sorry with um, with some really nice carers, um, and most of them were like from I would say from Iraq or from Morocco, and I think that also kind of shaped my palate in a way because yeah. they were cooking for me uh, and <laughs> you know I used to come back from school or come back from the kindergarten and I used to have food that I w- usually wouldn't have at home because okay. we came from a family that is European uh, it's like half German and half Polish although my parents uh, grew up and um, were, were born in Israel but still the heritage was from Europe and not from you know cool countries like Yemen or <laughs> or Iraq, um, whereas the food is a bit more, you know, I don't know, robust and like flavorsome and full of la- full full of spices, you know. Yeah. So I think that, that kind of shaped who I am in terms of the food and and also eating eating out in Israel or Tel Aviv in particular, I think it's really unique and really fun. Uh, because all of those cultures that uh, that came together in Israel after the war doesn't matter like people came and you know even today you've got like Russians and that also comes in 
into the food a little bit, like there's more pork, yeah. basically. <laughs> but I think it's really interesting to see. Uh, for one, for one side, you can see new restaurants, new chefs that are evolving from that, and on the other side, you can you can still have you know nice meals in very simple working working class restaurants. You know, like just like on the side of the road, there's like a small restaurant which has been there for like 55 years and nobody knows that, you know, it used to be a steakhouse that um, um, was founded by this Jewish Romanian uh, who, who who used to grill pork chops and then put them in a pita because his neighbor was Palestinian and they were do- making hummus <laughs> and all of a sudden you get this, you know, you get this... So it's amazing crossover yeah, of different cultures. And some and, yeah. people don't, don't even know that. They don't yeah, even know, don't that, know the history that it was it. born like that. Yeah. Yes, it's quite interesting. So um, when people, when, I imagine when people go to Tel Aviv that they're straight on the phone to you or messaging you, tell me where to eat. Constantly, yeah. <laughs> constantly um, asking. Maybe a guidebook you, next or something. I yeah. Don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true because it's, but you can't, you can't really get, go wrong with, with food in, in yeah. Israel. In, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's just great. Um, and very diverse, very, very tasty. I don't know. The ingredients are yeah, very yeah. good as well. Um, so, you said in, um, in the in the intro to the book, um, that there's a, a Jewish Yemenite place where soups and stews yep. bubble away all night on kerosene lights, which you said is, is almost like candles. Tell us a bit about that, because you said you used to visit yeah. them quite a lot when you were yeah, young. Yeah, they, st- they still exist. Yeah. Like, um, so I think I think that 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 will probably come from. I say I say it's the Yemenite, it's the Jewish Yemenite because the same way was was for like Muslim Yemenites. Yeah. But because Jewish people, because you you can't if you're religious and if you, so you can't cook uh-huh. over uh, Shabbat over so basically from Friday evening yeah. until Saturday evening. Basically, you're not allowed to use fire. You're not allowed to cook or to do anything. You just need to rest. Um, so what they did, they they used to cook their foods and light it uh, over a very very small candle on a it looks like a like a small uh, burner and the same you know you only have those lights in the, um, with the kerosene so yeah. it looks the same but just it's just for food so you put a pot on it uh, and it cooks really 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 slow yeah because you want to have something to eat on the Saturday uh, which you can't you can't really cook. So you put it before the, the Shabbat is coming in, which is like afternoon Friday. Yeah. And then you'll eat it on the afternoon on Saturday. Uh, so just kind of keeping it warm, but like bubbling away, <coughs> yeah. almost like a, a slow cooker. of Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, there is there is still um, a few restaurants uh, in that area in Tel Aviv. It's next to the Carmel Market. It's called Kerem yeah. Ataymanim, uh, which is the Yemenite region, I yeah. would say, which they they serve food that uh, traditionally is it's from Yemen. So there's a lot of stews from usually awful and, you know, soups of foot or, 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 or lungs and yeah. stuff like that. All delicious. It's like, just making use of all of those lesser. Exactly. Like, yeah. It pours people food, I would yeah. say. But today people are actually coming. It's and, trendy and now. Lo- it's trendy. <laughs> people, are, people are looking for it. They're queuing for it to have, yeah. to have a soup from foot, from cow's foot. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So it's it's quite it's quite remarkable um, what's what's happening with food there. Yeah, and yeah. you said there's there's quite a lot of you know there's a huge range of of, um, of restaurants. You were going to talk about some of the 
the simpler restaurants. Um, you mentioned one called Hanan Mogila. Hanan Mogila, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's one of, one of, one of my favorite restaurants today. Um, I've just discovered discovered it like ten years ago. Yeah, but it's been around forever. <laughs> They are from Bukhara, uh, so Jewish people from Bukhara. Uh, so the food is a bit. Um, It's a bit. It's fascinating because they they do like grilled meats yeah. on one hand, but they also have dishes like special dumplings yeah. with lamb, um, which is which comes in a in a in a in a, in a broth in a yeah. in a beefy or lamb broth, which is so delicious. I never had anything like that. Um, I, I mean, the only thing that I can think of is like having like a Chinese dumpling in a soup, uh, yeah. in a soup yeah. but the flavors are different, so it's a bit. They're very deep, like in terms of like meaty, uh, but also a bit fresh because they use a lot of coriander in the food mm-hmm. and lemon. So it's it's all very fascinating. Um, and would you call those restaurants kind of more? Are they more cafe like? Would you say or ca- more casual? I don't think in in Israel there's a term which they don't really use here, but they they call it like workers' restaurants. Okay. So when so when like when someone is like working, um, I don't know. And and they have their break. Someone was working for like I don't know, like construction in, in a building. So they used to have like small restaurants to feed yeah. um, that kind of community. So th- those restaurants still there. I mean, yeah. it's not it's not anymore. I, I don't think it's like the the working people yeah. anymore. <laughs> it's more like the trendy people want to want to yeah. have this food now. Wanna hang out. I yeah. know because I lo- I was looking it up online and they said um, they said it's it's a favorite with chefs. Yeah, it's, it's one of the it's one of the restaurants which which is yeah they're very favorite 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 by chefs. Yeah, it's true. And I think because with chefs, often if you've been cooking all night, maybe you just want to go and have something really simple and tasty yeah, yeah, yeah. that you haven't been cooking it's all true. day. It's true. How did you find this this information? Um, oh, Google. <laughs> <laughs> I just went. I I just looked up a few. Um, And and different things came up like on message boards. You know, somewhere's good when it pops up and there's like loads of different articles about it. Yeah, you're like, yeah. oh, this is this is obviously bubbling away. People are really loving this one. Um, the other thing I want to talk about because um, I've never been to Tel Aviv. I really do want to go. Is it's really famous for the nightlife, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and and it's really famous for people going out and then go and get something to eat. So you can you can go out, you know, I guess dancing or what is that what people do? And then go and eat late, late or yeah. <laughs> Tell us a bit about. I'm, the say, time I'm you... saying yes because I, yeah, I, I came back from Israel yeah. about ten days ago. I went I went back with uh, with my head chef. He's never been, so yeah. I kind of we kind of went for a four day tour of eating and drinking. Or I don't know drinking, but I, I the drinking was a part of the eating. Like yeah. I'm not, yeah. we didn't go <laughs> just just, just to get it right. No, 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 we weren't we weren't going for drinking. Okay. But it was like it was a part of the eating. Yeah. I would say because there's a culture of like when, whenever you sit in a restaurant, they all they, they sometimes yeah, which is like almost most of the time, the time they serve you free free drinks, free shots with the food, free shots. Yeah, to kind of you know wow. celebrate life. I don't know. <laughs> So you kind of find yourself after you ordered a bottle of wine, yeah. um, a bit more, um, a bit more drunk than, yeah. <laughs> than you, you would expect to. Um, but yeah, um, I think Tel Aviv is. I mean, for me, it's it's always nice to go back um, mm. because the, the the timing of of the day are different. I would say, like yeah. you you. You can go out and, and eat in a restaurant at about 7 p.m. Yeah. The restaurant will probably be empty at 7 p.m. 
uh, people start to go out at like nine, right. uh, half nine, ten o'clock. Kitchens are open, I think, until one o'clock, one wow. a.m. I think what's more fascinating is like the street food and uh, the the night culture when it comes to food. Yeah. So you were mentioning like if people go clubbing or people go go out in Tel Aviv. Like I don't do that anymore so much. Uh, I just went for the for the for those hours at night to yeah. go to those small places that um, the, the hole in the wall uh, that um, selling selling just food in you know very sim- in a very simple way to. Yeah. Um, and night night goers. Uh, what, what kind of things would they be selling? What are the? Um, wow, uh, just one place. Uh, I think I think I, yeah, there's one place called Jasmino. It's a um, um, it's in a very uh, famous famous street called Allenby, um, which they they're open like from from I think from noon or around lunchtime. Yeah. Uh, but they close. I think they close around four a.m. Uh, and you can find yourself like at midnight or yeah. one o'clock, uh, just standing the queue for, um, for a p- like this lush pita filled with uh, with grilled meats, just grilled over charcoal, yeah, and just stuffed with some tahini and, and some salad. Um, yeah, we did that when uh, when we were there, and <laughs> and that was after a meal that we had, and my chef was like, "I can have another." Honestly, that's the best thing I've ever had. <laughs> I was like, okay, we just had a full meal, and then you had a full pitta mm. with, um, I think, what did he have it with? I think it was with, with veal sweetbreads. Okay. Yeah, um, it's quite, quite, um, quite a thing um, to have that in a pitta. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, and there's a lot of places like that um, which have their specialities for like a street food or like a takeoff on a street food staple. Yeah. So basically, if you're piling out of a nightclub. You've got plenty choice for yeah for snack for yeah. <laughs> late night snacks. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Let's talk a little bit about hummus because um, you mentioned Jaffa mm-hmm. and said um, it's fascinating place to visit with its restaurants and its hummus places. And and I know that um, there are restaurants that literally just serve the best hummus in the world with just with some bread. I think you said bread and wedges of onion to mm-hmm. eat with it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
T- tell us a bit about 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 those. Hummus is um, hummus is a breakfast f- festival. Just people, okay. so, so they, yeah, you need to know that. Yeah. Here. You don't you don't eat hummus after like eleven, half eleven in the morning. Right. No one who's listening to this will ever Thank eat hummus you. again later. <laughs> it is breakfast. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, I from my experience, I mean that uh, I mean my my I prefer. Um, my my preparation, I would say, uh, would be to eat hummus in Jaffa. Uh, yeah. There's a particular, there's, there's one place which I really really like. It's considered one of the best. Um, I used to go there when I was a kid. It still exists. It's still the same flavor, uh, same people, or wow. maybe their their kids or their grandchildren. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very very simple. Very simple place. Very simple. I would say simple, simple hummus, but it's not simple because it's uh, no, nobody can copy that. And, and you, you, if you go there, you understand. But it's just, it's just very, very simple. Served with, you know, you get a plate of hummus served with uh, with some raw onions on the side and a couple of pitas, and it's the best thing you've ever had. And uh, yeah, I, I took my chef as well <laughs> a few days ago. He was like, "Wow, I I, I never imagined." To have that ever, like it's it's quite remarkable. And there are many places in Jaffa that um, that are doing the same. Basically, they serve hummus. A lot of them also now uh, serve other bits, yeah. uh, like falafel, fried falafel balls, and and some salads. But this place in particular, mm-hmm. it's called Ali Caravan or Abu Hassan. Uh, they only serve that. Um, they serve like three three types of of hummus dishes. Um, one of them is. It's not actually hummus. It's uh, it's full, which is fava beans. It's okay, like slow cooked yeah. fava beans uh, with some olive oil. The other one is just a plain hummus uh, with some spices, and the other one would be misabacha, which is like a deconstructed hummus. So they yeah. take warm chickpeas uh, and they crush them uh, in a pestle mortar with some tahini and then spices uh, and olive oil. So it's a bit more rough yeah. and uh, grainy, I would say. What do you think is the secret to Making the best hummus. The thing is to is to use very good ingredients. So that you need to use very a particular uh, chickpeas. Uh, so it wouldn't be the, the the big chickpeas. The the, the large one it would be the very small one. Okay. Because they're more delicate, and you you want them to be delicate because the skin is what makes the difference uh, when you actually crush the chickpeas or you actually blend them with tahini. And the other the other ingredient would be tahini, tahini a tahini yeah. paste, and. For me, I think, well, I haven't been to many other like countries in the region because I couldn't go. I can't go to Syria or I can't go to Jordan. But um, I think, and from from what people tell me as well, is that the hummus in Israel is very unique. Yeah. Okay. It's Palestinian, and the Palestinian hummus is very very unique. So it's it's much more smooth. Yeah. Um, and also the best tahini paste is. Uh, is made in a, um, near a small village in which is called Nablus, which is yeah. in the West Bank. And there are a few families over there that make uh, tahini paste. And t- I mean, to my to my taste, is is it's the best because yeah. I've tasted many many tahini paste from from all over, and it is the best. It's yeah. sweet. It does, it's not really bitter, so you don't have to add a lot of lemon juice when you're making hummus or mm-hmm. you or just eating tahini. Yeah. yeah, I think that what what makes it really really special. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the markets of Tel Aviv because again they're really really famous, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I think 
Carmel is one of the biggest. You mentioned yep. that earlier. Tell us a bit about those. Yeah, there's Carmel Market in in central Tel Aviv, and there's also Tikva Market, which is a bit more south. Uh, Carmel Market is is fascinating because it's got like you know stalls of like really cheap and afford- affordable clothes and toys, <laughs> which which that's the top of the market. Yeah. And then the further you go down. Uh, there are a lot of, I would say, small food vendors yeah. slash falafel places. Or it's very, 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 very cool to be there uh, on a Friday night. It's yeah. packed with people. It's very bustling. Uh, there are a few vendors which have, have been there for like, I don't know, over like 50 years. Mm-hmm. One of them is like selling a burek, like it's called burekas. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's one which... Um, who, who he's got his origins from from Turkey, obviously, and you can also get burek from different regions like more Balkan burek. Down, if you go down in the market, there's another place, so their burek is a bit different. Yeah. So that's quite fascinating, and obviously the the fresh produce, yeah, is just uh, mind blowing. I don't know. Yeah. Like every time I go there, it's like opens your head and opens your mind, and you just want to cook everything and. Yeah, I kind of missed that a bit. Yeah. Uh, and you've got like market stalls that sell on only spices, uh, only like fresh ground spices. It's, it's just, it's very, very good. Very good for Did your... Did you bring some back with you? The, the always. Spices. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, you have an extra suitcase. But... I, I don't have an extra suitcase, <laughs> but um, but I, I there, there are a couple of things that I always bring with me from this market, which uh, there would be like paprika, yeah. which um, is super fresh, grounded, super fresh and... Like very very red, yeah, which you can't really get here. I tried. Um, no, I think it's. Uh, so yeah, that's that's one of the things that I would, I would probably be bringing with me every time I go. And the other thing is, um, I bring a special cheese. Uh, it's like a dried. It's, in Israel, we call it yogurt stone. Oh yeah, because I I made your frika salad and that had the. And you didn't have that. No, yeah, I I used the uh, ricotta salata that okay. you recommended, which is yeah. look, you know I can, but, but when you said yogurt stone, it's such a fascinating description. It's of like, like a stone. It's so hard. Yeah, <laughs> but it, so it's like a, a quite a soury um, yeah chopped cheese. So, ba- so basically, imagine you make it's it's Palestinian by the way. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's it's made in like the, the the type the brand that I buy it doesn't even have a like a uh, like a stamp or like it's just, it's just wrapped yeah <laughs> um, yeah so I think it's unpasteurized uh, cow's milk yeah. or oh, sorry goats sorry it's goats and sheep's milk goats and sheep's because um, it's white isn't it it's very white yeah. they make they make labne basically they strain yogurt oh. uh, and then and then they leave it in the sun to dry okay in a special mold. Uh, it's, it looks like a conical, more uh, like a conical cheese, mm. uh, the shape, and uh, it just dries. It ferments and dries, so I think they leave it in the sun for like two or three weeks, yeah. and then and yeah, and then it's ready, and it's like hard as a stone. It's hard as rock. It's almost like imagine like Parmesan, Parmesan cheese, yeah. but drier, yeah, much drier, and you just need to grate a little bit and. On every dish that you would choose to have it, it's yeah. just it goes it goes a long way because it's it's got sourness, it's a bit funky, it's a bit because f- it's fermented obviously and and it's very salty as well. So whenever you use it, it's like adding like salt and lemon to your yeah. dish basically. Fantastic, I love that as well. Um, you were also going to talk about a couple of restaurants that have been around a long time um, that you said are are still 
you know, operating and dictating how people eat in Tel Aviv. So I guess they're maybe trend setting is and that was Romano and Port Said? Oh yeah. It's it's really really, really interesting. So those those predices, Romano and Port Said, are owned by um by a famous chef called Eyal Shani. He just opened uh, a restaurant in London uh, recently called Miznon. Oh yeah, uh, oh, yeah. So he has a few of those now all over the world. Yeah. Actually he's opening another one this week I think in Notting Hill. So he he kind of opened opened a new door for chefs in Israel I think about 20 years ago. Yeah. So he he was he was he was a trained a classic trained chef I would say yeah. cooking like I don't know more French food when he was younger. And then, and then he shifted, and then you know, and I think this is what happened to all of us, all of the chefs. Are we kind of shifted away from the classic methods of cooking and and searching for those lost ingredients that don't really exist yeah. in in our region, and started to acknowledge what we have around us. And I think he did it in the best way. Yeah. And it really transcends in 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 his restaurants. They all kind of ha- they all talk the same language. Very very simple. Very good ingredients and not fussy in 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 any way. Yeah. I think whenever when you whenever you visit Israel, Tel Aviv, um, you need to visit one of his restaurants. Yeah. I think um, because it's it's quite fascinating um, what what they do and yeah and also like. They're, they're 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 training chefs, which you know they didn't go the the the, the way that we went as chefs. They're like you know, they're a bit cool cool kids from around <laughs> the block that just want to cook his food. Yeah, you know? they're happy to be cooking like the yeah. food of their heritage as well. They're yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I mean, we I don't know. I I had lots of training, and you know, I know how to you know how to <laughs> um, how to take care of fish and how to take care of meat. I'm not yeah. sure they they even know how to do that, okay. but they they do create delicious food. So you had the class. French sort yeah. of kitchen training yeah. sort of thing yeah, yeah. yeah. but I, it's great that that exists alongside it and you know that, that, that the, yeah. those places are inspiring absolutely and um, and sort of trend leading as well to say look why, why can't we cook like this this is what we're great at yeah so, it's true yeah. absolutely yeah. I agree let's finish by talking about some of the incredible ingredients that thrive in the climate of um, Israel um, in the book you talk about tomatoes representing home for you mm-hmm. because it's you know something that you're you're really close to um tell us about some of your favorite ingredients and what you what you like to do with them yeah i think i think tomatoes are very very predominant in in my cooking because they're in israel they're in in, in, in abundant yeah. and obviously it's a sunny country and and it's like i don't know 10 months of sun throughout the year so yeah i think i think tomatoes in israel and 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 the, the farmers, the, the growers uh, have, a, have a lot to offer, I would say. There's a, so many varieties, so many kinds. And it's very predominant in the cooking, I think, not just not just my cooking, but in the kitchens of many, many Israeli chefs. Just you can do a lot with it from, I don't know, simple simple dishes of tomato salads and, and the sauces would all be, always be nice. You wouldn't have to add any tomato paste or sugar to kind of, you know, yeah. comp- compensate on the sour tomato that... It's not in the season. It's, yeah. it's 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 basically all the time. It's in the season. <laughs> yeah. <it's laughs> Have you managed to find decent tomatoes here? For yeah. Tomatoes? Yeah. Yeah. Um, un- unfortunately, not so much British. You can do some. Sometimes we get some nice tomatoes from Isle of Wight, but uh, I think most of our good tomatoes are coming from Italy. Yeah. Um, in the winter, we use a lot of winter winter tomatoes okay. uh, from Spain as well, called rough. If rough tomatoes are not available from Spain, we usually use Mirinda during, during winter. I actually like 
winter tomatoes more than summer tomatoes. Are they slightly different texture? And- They're different texture. They're, um, uh, their skin is um, slightly thicker yeah. uh, because they need to kind of protect themselves from the cold. Yeah, yeah. But they're much more sweeter. Oh, okay. So I think it's really, really remarkable to have a winter tomato. Yeah, compared to summer tomato, it's very different. I think it's because it's harder to grow, so they produce yeah. more sugar exactly. and, and exactly. become sweeter, don't exactly. they? Yeah, yeah. Which, is, which is mad. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. And you're also a massive fan of fish, aren't you? I know you've got a whole, you've got a whole chapter on tomatoes in the book and you've True. got a whole chapter on fish cooking. I spotted some incredible looking fish kebabs and oh, you yeah. love to cure fish as well. Tell us a little bit about The love that. of fish was, um, was slowly but surely uh, kind of evolving in me uh, when, I was, when I was a younger chef in Tel Aviv. I think the, the produce, the, the fish that we get in, in Israel, in, in the Mediterranean Sea, is very, very good. Uh, some years are like weren't so good, but let's say for a young chef to get like fresh produce like prawns or, or squid or like grouper and amberjack and bluefin tuna, is, mm. it was quite, quite amazing. And this is how I kind of became closer and closer. And then, and then I started to work in this restaurant, which was like a predominantly seafood uh, fish restaurant. And over there, I've, I've managed to gain a lot, of, uh, a lot of knowledge with fish and, and how to take care of fish and cure fish, to fillet the fish uh, in the best way. Or, yeah. yeah. One day we got like a 200 kilo tuna and we had to fillet it. And it's, it's, you learn a lot from yeah, it. Yeah, it's a big um, fish. It's a big fish. <laughs> yeah, it's about the size of the studio, the width of the yeah. studio. <laughs> and is the idea with curing that you preserve the, the integrity of the fish, like you're not really messing with it too much? Yeah, we're doing quite a lot of cured fish in the restaurant today. And uh, I think I brought that with me. We cure small sardines mm. and, and then fillet them afterwards, after 24 hours. Or we cure whole chunks of uh, of pollock or hake wow. in salt and some sugar, and then we slice it and we make uh, what is called like a, like a pastrama slices, and wow. it's it's delicious. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just you cure it for forty eight hours, the fillets, and then slice it like a D cut and uh, submerge it in a mix of spices. Yeah. Uh, sorry, before you cut it, <laughs> and then and then and then you sl- and then you slice it and just preserve it in olive oil. Nice, uh, it's very delicious. So like fish pastrami. Exactly, <laughs> amazing. I'm properly hungry now as well. <laughs> um, what's next for you in the restaurant? Then what's coming up? Oh wow. Well, um, so restaurant is staying pretty much the same. There's not not a lot we can do about it. I wish we had more seats, mm. but uh, it's doing well. Um, and it's very persistent I would say um, I decided to open a deli uh, and that will basically uh, happen in about a month I would say it's going to be in uh, also in Hackney okay. in Broadway Market yeah it's going to be fascinating uh, it's what sort of things are you going to be doing there partially it's going to be a bakery so we're going to uh, we're going to bake our pitas that we used to bake uh, all the time basically in, in a very small oven but yeah we plan to buy uh, a bigger one. <laughs> so we're going to bake the pitas and we're going to bake uh, the challah bread, which is like mm. a Jewish braided uh, bread that you usually eat during Saturdays. But uh, we're going to bake every day. And we're going to make a few more savory pastries, which I haven't I haven't really figured out what they're <laughs> going to be. <laughs> that's that's a baking bit. Uh, we're going to sell wines, uh, which are predominantly going to be like low intervention. I don't want to say natural, but yeah. let's say biodynamic or... You know, from swarm growers. Uh, in no. Israel? No. no. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, we'll see, maybe. There is some good there Israeli wines, There is some wines, very, good, very, very good, good wines. I yeah. think they'll probably true. keep it for themselves. <laughs> it's true, it's true. 
Yeah. Um, no, but we, we, we've been working a lot with uh, wines from, from the region, like yeah. France and <laughs> Italy. Okay. But yeah, it's... Something uh, to look out for. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, and, and the main bit would be um, uh, all the deli bits that uh, that we used to do during lockdown. Uh, oh, if it's great. all the spreads, all yeah. the cured fish that we mentioned uh we're going to sell those so people can come in and gather exactly a together and exactly take it home and the, the idea is that you come and you know you don't have you don't have time to cook for your family yeah. just come on get a bottle of wine grab a few things and and you sort it for the evening uh and on the weekend we're going to do um we're going to do specials like we're going to have some hot food to take home mm. some ready-made food so it could be like i don't know um, like a kofta of lamb and beef, uh, served with some rice on the side. Um, it's yeah. It's I'm even more hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant, and that all sounds great. Something to really Thank look you. forward to. Where can people keep in touch with what you're up to? Is Instagram the best place? Yeah, I think uh, Instagram, our restaurant Instagram. Uh, so is that at? That would be Oren, I think it's called Oren London. Oren London, yeah. at Oren London. Yeah. Brilliant, okay. So. Well, thanks for coming to <laughs> chat to us today, Oded. It's been absolutely fascinating. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Olive Podcast. For recipes and more information, head to olivemagazine.com. Do remember to listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where our guests reveal their best cooking cheats, hacks and shortcuts. And don't forget to subscribe at iTunes, Acast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.